The Hawks lost no admirers with a plucky performance against the undefeated D's. Ten points, the final margin. And there were positives aplenty, which we're going to get to right here on another short and sharp edition of the Hawk Talk podcast, designed to preserve my voice. My name is Nick Mason, and Tiz, that was our first week off in a while, and it's good to be back. Is it, Nick? You sound pretty good. <laughs> it's the best I've sounded in a week. Believe it or not, I would not recommend getting COVID. Yeah, well, the boys did their darndest to try and get you up. Well, they certainly lifted my spirits. I mean, 10 points is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, this is the closest any team has come to knocking off the reigning premiers in some time. And uh, I'm, I'm plenty proud of the boys. Yeah, it was a, it was a very good effort. I got, I got, I got worried at halftime and, and again during the third quarter that they might sort of uh, stop like they did against Sydney. But even with a five-day break, they ran the game out. They found a way to remain competitive for much of the day, thanks chiefly to some tagging roles against their very good midfielders. And there was one bloke, MVP on the day, Dylan Moore, who was deployed at, at half-back just to try and give us some run and carry through that area. And didn't he do it incredibly well? Um, it, it, he's a revelation now and, and rightly got highlighted in the media. And there's something about this group that's that's just developing. There's a confidence about them even against this Wonderful Melbourne side. They just refuse to lay down. They are not going to take no for an answer, this Hawthorne side. They will play their game style and live and die by it, and it's fantastic to watch when it comes off. I think clearly there's still areas that we need to improve on, but uh, God, I'm having a great time enjoying this team. Uh, Dylan Moore, as you say, a career-high 33 touches at 81.8% disposal efficiency with one goal, 546 metres gained. I think he did well to give us the kind of drive that... We might have had with CJ uh, being available, but alas, we put Dylan Moore back there and uh, I think he gave us a lot. Well, yeah, it's the kind of game we'd expect from Bramble a bit, but he looked a bit out of touch. He'll take a couple of weeks, a bit like MP. He, he looked out of touch on Monday and he looked, I noticed they got it into his hands very early in the game, uh, trying to really, really uh, give him some confidence. But um, yeah, Dylan Moore... I mean, we've got a question from Woz. What are your thoughts on Moore becoming a regular mid and replacing an existing mid so we can bring in and test a new small forward? That 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 could happen. Uh, I know he's got an enormous tank, Dylan Moore, as does Finn McGuinness, who we'll speak about in a moment. But that they both just ran the whole game out. Now, we've, we've spoken before about how we want a lot more depth in the midfield, and we're starting to see that now. I know... People later on are asking when's Wingard going to join the midfield brigade and, and he's probably not fit enough either. But, um, yeah, we're just starting to see this. Uh, what do you say? When, when you come up against opposition coaches and you can get a different player like Dylan Moore jumping in there, just gives you an edge, you know. And we, we've been so similar there with, with see ball, get ball and handball out to someone who's quicker for a while. Um, it's wonderful to see Dylan Moore develop into this uh, goal-scoring midfielder, which is something we've been <laughs> wanting for years. Yeah, we've got a bit of a newfound versatility, and we can throw a couple of curveballs at opposition coaches. Uh, as for the midfield and inserting Moore in there, look, that's an experiment that I'm up for because the midfields, it's just it can't be invulnerable to tampering with. Like, we need to work out what our best mix is, and I think we're all agreed that... The best mix is not Warple, O'Meara, Mitchell, and whoever's Ruck. Like you just gotta 
start experimenting with that. And, you know, Dylan Moore could be a fantastic place to continue that. What do you think of our ruck? Max Lynch obviously couldn't run out the whole game, but he was impressive when he was in there. We, we You noticed when Max Lynch was off because uh, Melbourne got on a bit of a run and, and Gorn had a very good game, but uh, we certainly weren't kicking to him every chance we got this time around. Um, and then Callow uh, took a took a great grab his first touch and uh, very very nice to see that and he he looked like he belonged he had the physicality for it a uh, couple of rookie errors and things like that but that goes with the with the first gamers I, I enjoyed seeing him out there certainly but you got to say that the man of the moment and, and something I didn't expect they got out the clamps. And they told Finn, hey, you're just clamping down on Langdon. And he, he only got nine touches for the day. Incredible. Yeah, and only three uncontested, which is obviously Langdon's game. And Finn McGuinness himself had 12. So I, I think it was a massive success. And to come in for Harry Morrison as well and, and perform that role, the Demons were disarmed of a key weapon. And uh, Finn McGuinness, 96% game time. He ran and ran and ran. About 16K he ran which is huge. That's his best performance for the senior side. There's no question of that. Uh, He was brilliant. And look, I still have reservations about him. In terms of his disposal efficiency, I feel like I'm I'm nervous when the ball gets to him. But uh, look, he has that in his his toolkit. At least the, the lockdown role, I think he performed that very well. We know he can do that now. And it's great because he's finding his identity in the senior side, which previously he was really struggling with, to be honest. Well, he just... Illustrated, he was he was beneficial to the side this time. That, that's you know he's kicked a goal and he's had a few moments that looked really good, but he's starting to settle and given a role and something that um, that does well for his high concentration levels, which is what that took. I mean to to get this bloke who's who's burned other teams. Let's face it, he's absolutely torched other sides. For him to only have three uncontested possessions is just terrific, and and very very good coaching because. Everyone that comes up against Melbourne now are just going to set a bloke the task of stopping Langdon. <laughs> so James has this question, and this is at the front of our mind. Is this the turning point for Finn? Will he be given games off his ability to keep running and shutting down the most dangerous runners from the opposition? Well, he probably will get games that way. But as you say, you know, he only needs to improve his uh, disposal efficiency and... You know, they'll have to give mind to what he's doing as well, and that's the next step in his progression. Um, he can certainly win his own ball, and his, his contested possessions are fine. You know, he's got a body that, that can handle the the hits of, uh, of AFL. So I think this will give him a lot of confidence, and as a young man, he needs confidence. Brito also asked, will Finn's role on the weekend and how he executed it silence the doubters? Absolutely not. You've already expressed your doubts, Nick. Yeah, I'm one of them. I mean, one game doesn't make a player. But don't think Finn uh, would be happy with that performance. He's got very high standards and he wants to be a much better player than than tagging blokes out of the game on the wing. He wants to to really influence games off his own boot and uh, I think he'll get there. Yeah, that, I mean that's right. He's got he's got to complement that side of his game now. He's got the defensive thing locked down, uh, pun fully intended, of course. He's got to get more attacking and and more damaging in that sense. Um, that's the next step because we know now off that game in particular against very quality opposition, he's got that in his arsenal. I want to see him 
uh, in his development, so it's over a number of weeks, it won't happen overnight, I want to see him become more attacking. So at one point Oliver threatened to take the game completely away from us and we saw uh, Sammy go, hey Connor, uh, Connor Nash that is, uh, can you take Oliver out of the game for us? And, and he did, which stunned me. I didn't think that was, that was doable, even in that role. That he, that he could get that done. And then similarly, he got asked to take on Petrarca, who, you know, Uze, who was in the box and his well-loved uh, Hawthorne coach, he uh, he's relying on these blokes to turn the game for them. And, you know, sometimes they do, but I didn't expect that Nash would be able to sit on them quite as well as he did. And it, and it really underscored how important having Callow brought into the lineup to do some ruck work along with Max Lynch and, and let Nash go back to majority of it, um, being able to play a midfield role. He did do some uh, rucking, but um, less said about that, the better. <laughs> if Ben Brown hadn't got all those free kicks because he just sags and flops and, I mean, Frost got a little bit, you'd have to say he's a bit dumb about it. He, he, seen, he doesn't play well against his former side, does he? <laughs> no, not really. So between the ears? I don't know. <laughs> but as soon as Sicily went on to Brown, it was like he wasn't playing out there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Sicily's 100th game and his first as captain because we're starting to do a bit of a rotation now in McAvoy's absence, which I think is a great thing. Um, you know, Sicily, long earmarked as a potential captain, got his run this game and he performed excellently. 26 touches, 631 metres gained, a game-high 13 marks, a game-high 10 intercepts. He's officially asserted himself once again as our best defender. I think, you know, what are we, seven rounds in? I think there's no question of that now. There was some phenomenal passing from Sicily too, even under pressure, um, picking long-range options. And I know he bit off a bit more than he could chew a couple of times, but um, really, really good. The other bloke, there were a lot of unexpected things in this, but for Kaczynski to kick four against that back line, which has held so many teams to very low scores, that's just amazing. And it forces Sammy to find a spot or find a system that works with Cozzy, and Mitch Lewis and Jack Gunston, because they all deserve to be in that side. Yeah, certainly. We have questions about that coming up in just a moment. But uh, between this and last week, Cozzy has inserted himself into the conversation. He covered for Lewis very nicely. He deserves credit for that because, I mean, he had a stuttering start to the season, didn't he? We're wondering, where is he? Is he going to get back? Is there space for him? Well, I think he's answered that. And, uh, yeah, he deserves full credit. He's a different player to Lewis, too. You mm-hmm. know, he leads straight up at the ball, demands that the that people either get out of his way or get in <laughs> his way. I mean, it's a, it's a – I wouldn't like to be standing there. He's a, he's a rough character. I like it. I really do like it. Well, I want to compare and contrast his game with Ben Brown up the other end, who I felt, frankly, played a very cheap and nasty game for his four goals. Because uh, he's four – uh, I thought it was a very honourable and strong performance. I was very impressed. Oh, look, mate, the free kick count 26 to 14 is, is something I'll never get over. <laughs> and some of them were stinkers and, and some of them were, you know, that was paid down the other end. Why don't you pay it at our end? It's it's uh, it's what happens when you're playing teams that are in the esteem of the umpires and uh, it's, just, it's just garbage to watch. And, um, you know, fewer and fewer games each weekend... Uh, you'd give the you'd give the umpiring crew a pass mark on, I think. It's just getting worse. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. We've got some questions. One from Matt. I'm a broken record on this, but surely 
Wingard will service better around the ball and complement the ball-winning mids with a touch of class and the creativity they lack. Watching him sit deepest forward and try to fly for terrible entries is depressing. Yeah, I'm not sure Wingard enjoys it much either. No, well, he looked very uh, hurt uh, when people didn't kick it to him. So he's he's certainly uh, frustrated up there, but I'm of the mind that uh, he he has the ability to be able to keep that man back. Like, his potential at scoring goals means that you have to uh, hold back and that creates space in front of Wingard, which allows Kaczynski and other players to move into that space. Whereas if it's um, someone else without the mystique of Wingard or the ability to, to really hurt your opposition, they might set themselves the task of you know covering uh, covering whoever it is a little bit further away and keeping the form because I thought we broke up the back structure of Melbourne really well with the speed of the movement yes yeah and certainly Wingard moves wonderfully when he has space he just uses it so well so eventually he will be fit enough and we'll be able to deploy him in the midfield and I'm looking forward to that but um, I thought he was used well at the weekend. The Big Easy says Wingard seems to be expressing his frustration quite often <laughs> when not hit up on the lead. Arms in the air, shaking his head very demonstratively. Does anyone else notice this? Yes. Absolutely. And uh, it might be something to do with the blonde hair. I don't know. <laughs> Brito asks, any chance of seeing CJ or Will Day move to the wing with Bramble? Did the Mystic Cleanse... What, what's the Mystic Cleanse, Nick? Do you know about this? <laughs> I think it's based on... The, Brito asks, did the Mystic Cleanse remove Max's 22 hoodoo voodoo? Do what? Remind me of the babe. That's a labyrinth reference, Tiz. Uh, I think his, his luck might have turned around. I mean, do we want to knock on wood with that? I think finally Max Lynch's wretched run with luck might have come to an end and he's smooth sailing from here. Can we just call him Buzz? And incidentally, you should probably have a buzz cut. I hate that haircut Max Lynch has at the moment. You hate the haircut. I love the haircut. I'm a big fan. Those long flowing locks when he leaps for the footy. Love it. It doesn't have like the... It needs a bit of a curl or something. I don't know. We better get to the first part of Brito's question. Uh, Any chance of seeing CJ or Will Day move to the wing with Bramble? Uh, Certainly. Uh, I think it... Well, it depends how Bramble comes along. I think, as you mentioned, Tiz, it was... Quite out of touch, wasn't he? Um, he? He'll need to establish himself in the team uh, next week slash the week after. Yeah, well, I can definitely see Will Day moving to the wing. Um, I thought he was fairly good apart from one glaring moment. Oh, that'll never happen again. That's a once in a million. But he'll he'll improve immensely. I actually thought DGB could have been handy um, because they're a little bit tall for us in the forward line. So we seemed a little bit undermanned. Yeah, I felt the same way. Neil has a question about... The Hawthorne game plan, he says, Sam's A game looks awesome, but the B game, especially at the end of the game, seems to have some real issues. What was actually happening in those collapses against Sydney and the Saints? How do we get a slow gear to go with that great fast one? That That's just a, a maturity thing. And um, maturity in the midfield, I thought a few times we rushed our opportunities, especially in front of goal. Uh, and but those those were on mature shoulders a lot of those things, so um, you know we could definitely have won this game. And although that's on the one hand frustrating, it's also excellent um, 
to get as close as we did. Now, I think the game plan is very simple at the moment, but what we need to do is some ball retention and give ourselves a breather, uh, which is why you get things like what happened against Sydney. We were able to slow down the game against Melbourne, and they also slowed down the game <laughs> against us. They were they were looking to keep control of possession and deny us and stuff like that, and it, and some of that worked in our favour because we we managed to um, to do the counter attack after those periods they had possession. So um, yeah, I, I see it as a maturity thing, and you know the ability to to be able to stare down the momentum of the opposition side. Yeah, I mean, it's only going to develop more and more the the, the more that this list uh, plays under Sam. Um, the ability to control the game and play temporary footy when required. It was another example, uh, this game of, you know, on some occasions I did feel like the runner would need to get out to them. Just remind them that, guys, you've got the whole game. You've got the, you've got the rest of the game. You really don't need to, after one attempted switch, just blaze it down the wing and put it on Max Gorn's head. They didn't do it often, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes when they didn't have it on their terms, they weren't... The Hawks weren't patient enough to to work hard enough and let it open up. When, uh, when, when Melbourne were cornering us, basically, when they were boxing us in, we didn't really have the maturity to sit with that and work our way through it. And that's when he told them to run it off the back line. And we saw Dylan Moore go back there to help with that. Oh, it, was, um, it was clever. Oh, definitely. When we got going, we were absolutely sensational. Uh, it's just those times where Melbourne did effectively shut us in, uh, shut, like hem us into the boundary line. I just would have liked a little more patience. But look, overall, very few complaints with this performance. Um, I, I, I feel like the team's in a very good spot. And week to week, they're only going to develop. They're only going to give this game plan a little more nuance. Their ability is going to increase in their execution with it. Uh, it. It's an exciting time to be a Hawks fan. Now, uh, the other game, which kind of felt worse to me, but we were very close to winning this. Casey beat Box Hill at 10-19. That's 29 scoring shots, 79. Defeating Box Hill Hawks, 11-6, 17 scoring shots, 72. So we lost by seven points but Casey looked to be in control of that game for almost the whole day. And Hawthorne, it got to be said that there was a we had the wind in the final quarter. But we came so strong at them. Um, goals to Jekker, Sarong, Parsons inside eight minutes in that last quarter. It wasn't enough, but gee, we had Casey, they were a bit worried. An undefeated Casey side, much like Melbourne, uh, who did seem dominant for large patches of the game. But nevertheless, Hawthorne came home strong. Uh, it wasn't enough, though, with uh, Casey, as you say, by seven points. Best on ground was probably Ed Phillips, 31 touches, 14 marks and a goal. That's Tom Phillips' brother. Emerson Jecker as really the, uh, the lone key forward out there, wasn't he? Um, we had a resting Ruckwood forward, but um, he kicked three, and he was also very good with his inside 50s. Ned Long had another good performance, 14 touches, six tackles. How played, even though he... he uh, most people would think he wouldn't have played after appearing for Hawthorne the day before, but he did, and there were some strange decisions from Howe, but in the main, he was fairly good. Um, and Mitchell which is uh, Seamus Mitchell, and Saunders and Morris were all deployed off the half-back line. 
um, with varying, what's the word? Varying results. Varying efficacy. Morris looked far more comfortable in the back line, but uh, Mitchell and Saunders didn't. Um, they're obviously much happier being forward of the ball. These, these are new roles for these guys, especially Seamus Mitchell. Like he, you know, he came to the club pegged as a goal sneak. Um, so it's a little bit different, I think. Yeah, and they're really lacking a contested ball winner and obviously a ruckman at, uh, at Box Hill. But um, they've tried to um, fix that with some new recruits. But, yeah, a very good performance, and uh, it'll get a lot easier for the Box Hill boys from here. You'd have to say. Yeah, I'd say so. They finished the contest uh, plus 22 in disposals, plus 24 in marks and seven in tackles, uh, which all positives, but beaten in a few key areas as well. I mean, as you say, the need for a contested ball winner, we were negative 17 in the contested footy. Minus 28 inside 50s is deeply concerning. Uh, Minus 19 in the hitouts to minus 10 in clearances. It's clear where the deficiencies of the Box Hill side lie. Uh, but as you say, I think it's going to get a little easier from here. But the rebounding defenders at Box Hill, even though most of them aren't AFL listed, are very good. DeWitt was incredible. So we look ahead to Essendon versus Hawthorne at Marvel Stadium on uh, Saturday at 7.25pm. Hopefully Nick's at home, still rugged up. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't, aren't you? If I'm able to go, I need to look into whether I'm able to. <laughs> but I will be there if I can. It'll be interesting to see whether Lewis comes back into the side. Is he going to be fit enough? Well, that was going to be my question. Probably the the big ins that you're looking at potentially are Lewis and CJ. And I guess you watched Box Hill a bit more closely than me. Anything that you saw in that game that that would encourage you to make some selections accordingly? Oh, look, it would be very hard to drop anyone out of that performance Uh but there is some talent coming back. It's going to be available. I think uh, Bramble might need some more time in the VFL, but they might just decide to run with him. Let's face it, Essendon are not winning a final this year and their standards aren't high. Their pressure around the foot is, is fairly bad. They always lift for Hawthorne, but surely, surely we've got this one, Nick. Eh? Well, I'm confident. I'm, I'm as confident as I can be because it is Essendon after all and they always seem to turn in a pretty good performance against us. They do lift. Uh, however, for weeks now we've seen Vision you know, put under the microscope of this Essendon outfit and they're just not prepared to work. They're not going to respond this week, are they? They've been, they've been put, had their toes put to the fire every other week. Why would they respond this one? You know, The frustrating thing is, and, and if you're talking to Bombers fans, you need to tell them this is that they have all the talent they could possibly need, but none of the endeavour, and that's what makes them a danger game. If they show up, if they decide to work, that is the key difference, is that they haven't been doing that. If they don't click into gear, uh, if they don't show up, um, it should be pretty easy for us if we if we just get our game going. We'll run them ragged, and that should be the game right there. Well, the most improved player is their captain, Dyson Heppel, and uh, you know what I think of Dyson Heppel, Nick? So... I think you've called him a Dyson. Because <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> yeah. Still got it, folks. Well, I mean, it, it is it is de- definitely lotto off the half-back line whenever Heppel has it. So it could go anywhere. It could land anywhere. Uh, anyway, Numo has the question, 
With the possible inclusion of Lewis this week, what does our forward line and ruck situation look like for this weekend against the Bombers? Fusa, following up with a related question, what does our best forward line actually look like with all our players available? Options galore at the moment. I feel like we still need more forward pressure. Yeah, but look, the Bombers have been terrific at giving it back about 80 metres from goal. <laughs> so, you know, we'll get rewarded. You give, you put pressure on these halfbacks at, at, at Essendon as they're trying to break it out. And uh, well, they do a lot of handball. It's great to watch. <laughs> we'll be rewarded really well. And you could imagine Wingard will be licking his chops. I'm not sure what the best forward line looks like. I, I think that's something for Sammy to show me. And uh, and obviously David Hale is the forward coach. So I'm, I'm looking to see what they have in store for the Bombers, who uh, are low on confidence. Hawk12 says, if we lose to the Bombers, which I don't really want to think about, and possibly could, let's be honest, will we be devastated or is it just part of the learning train we're on? Unacceptable. It's not a <laughs> development week for Hawthorne. This is a cruise to a comfortable victory week. Oh, you don't think, you don't, you're don't? not going to trot out the line, um, we've had learnings this week or whatever it is? What, what's, there's learnings and I've never heard of that term before, but apparently it's being thrown around if we we cannot lose to this mob the amount of footage i've seen of essendon not putting in and not trying at all even if they show up i still think we we have their number i would certainly hope so who's that bloke who was following that ball back to the line and all he had to do was touch it (laughs) i know what you're talking about but i don't remember who it was he was recruited to the club specifically and, uh, yeah, anyway, the Doro's still there. Is it 23 years now? I can't wait until it gets to the quarter century because Robbo's going to have a conniption and that will be wonderful to see. Does he get a letter from the Queen? What happens? <laughs> I think the fact is that he's kept a lot of letters and that's how he keeps <laughs> his job. But it's certainly not on performance. Now, we did have one side that won in the Hawthorne Colours on the weekend, and they did so against their hardest opposition in a month. Uh, the Hawthorne VFLW side beat Casey. Seven goals, 11.53, to two goals, 2.14. At one point, um, it was two goals each, wasn't it, Nick? And then Hawthorne just put their foot down and cruised, really. Like, it was just we were just waiting for them to kick another goal. So it was streak versus streak. Casey had, I think they were top of the ladder, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were undefeated heading into this, and we'd won seven straight. So it was indeed streak versus streak. And the team that reigns supreme at the final siren does what it's done for the past seven weeks before that. Uh, Hawthorne, as you say, Tiz, you, know, you spin a wheel. What, what quarter is it going to be this week? What quarter is it where they're going to come out and just absolutely pump the opposition and slam on the goals. Uh, this week it was the third term. And uh, Casey, well, they were held to just one behind after quarter time, which is a magnificent effort. That's huge. The defence in the VFLW for Hawthorne is is immense. But it's um, Tamara Luke up forward, who just commands that whole zone. She kicked 3-2 and had two goal assists. Um, they did have one... Serious injury to Zoe Barbacos, who was stretched from the ground with what we believe is a knee injury. Do we have any more info than that at this stage? No, I don't have any additional info at this stage, but it looked fairly bad. And I mean, it's such a cruel twist of fate for, you know, Zoe, who's an AFLW signee, has a massive opportunity laid before her. And uh, look, 
it's just one of those things it's shocking so we hope it's not terribly severe we'll uh, we'll update people on our social media channels and see what we uh what we hear about Zoe, uh, I just want to go back to Tamara Luke. I think, you know, she's one of my favourite uh, VFLW players, uh, the captain of the side. Uh, three, two and two goal assists. So she had nine disposals and seven of them were score involvements, <laughs> which is insane. That's just so damaging. I, I think apart from her, Nadia Von Bertouche, uh, she stood tall with uh, 17 touches, game high, 11 marks. Nick Garner as well is also prolific with 17 touches herself. Carbone, Mifsud, it's a great team to watch. I mean, especially when they get going and whatever turn they decide that they're going to pull the lever and it just causes an avalanche of goals. Uh, they're very exciting. Yeah, Von Bertouche has a... Uh, has a like a, a bit of a cult figure status down there, doesn't she? I think so. She's she's certainly got an aura when she gets the ball. Like it, she's just one of those players, you know. Very dependable. So there you go, another victory uh, for Hawthorne VFLW, and they sit, I believe, in second at the moment. And uh, wouldn't you know it, I think Essendon sit atop the VFLW ladder, and we don't play them this week, but the following week. So there's a massive uh, marquee blockbuster clash in the near future for the VFLW. 11.30 on a Saturday in a couple of weeks, I think. So, yeah. Well, the club performed pretty well over the weekend. And I know we're, I noticed we've put the Kennedy Centre out to uh, tender. So something's moving there. <laughs> yeah, people are lining up to throw us bags of cash. <laughs> yep. Um, what is it? The council's given $5 million. The Liberals are sticking their hand in our pockets. The Labor Party sticking their hand in our pockets. I mean, yeah, that's no, that's right, our pockets. And uh, it's going to the Hawthorne Footy Club and Box Hill. So um, I mean, whoever wins, uh, Box Hill wins the, with the redevelopment of the facilities, and uh, it's it's good times. So, do you think you'll be well enough to go? Nick? Well, i got to look into whether I'm actually allowed to, in good conscience, attend this game. I think I am, but uh, look, it'll all depend on how I'm feeling within myself too, of course. So if I'm not if I'm not able to go and if, it, if I'm going to do you know, wrong by myself by trying to get out to Marvel Stadium, uh, notoriously windy and cold environments that... They are out there at the Docklands. Well, you know, we don't we don't win without you there, Nick. I think that's fairly <laughs> obvious from the results on the weekend. Gunston and Bruce were aware that Nick wasn't present. You're taking the piss, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to try to be there if I can, lose my voice in a different way on the weekend. Uh, that's Marvel Stadium, uh, Saturday, 7th of May. So it's this Saturday night, 7.25pm. The VFLW, as we just mentioned, they've got a game against Port Melbourne, the Boroughs. Uh, Sunday 8th of May at 2pm and the same day out at Windy Hill it's uh, Essendon hosting Box Hill at 2.10pm and I reckon with all that being said mate uh, it might be almost time to uh, give my voice a little bit of a rest so it's time to wrap up if you enjoy what we do hop on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review uh, not only will it make our day you'll be spreading the word about our show so uh, helping to get other hawkers on board so we'd really appreciate that you can find us on Twitter as well, at Hawk Talk Pod. Such a supportive community that really lifted my spirits, Tiz, over the past week and you know, got a bit of a shout-out from the Hawks Insiders crew and uh, had a fair few people tweeting me and sending us DMs on Instagram, all wishing for me to, to recover in, in good time. And 
Ah, it, it, it did make a difference. I'm going to say that. I really appreciate that people would take their time out of their day to say stuff like that. I had a bloke up the local cafe come up to me and go, where's the podcast this week? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> that was the very reaction I was worried about. I did feel a, a smidge guilty that we'd taken a week off for the first time in about five, six years. But, you know, it is what it is. I needed to. And the way I'm able to even, you know, get by with this short podcast is the fact that I rested. So I think I made the right call. Uh, you can join us on Facebook as well, our Facebook family over at facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. And again, we're on Instagram. And finally, a shout out to the proud, passionate and paid up and indeed patient Patreon subscribers that support our show. It has been a hot minute since our last bonus ep, but being unwell has interfered with our best laid plans, of course. So hang in there. Uh, in the meantime, it's your support that does keep us going. You contribute in a big way to making this show what it is. Uh, for anyone that would like to join up, all the details are at patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. So no Connor Nash this week, Nick. What am I going to do? It looks like he's done a quad or a hammy or some kind of strain. And he's broken your heart. <laughs> it's not broken my heart. Nearly broke my shoulder when I walked, nearly walked into him at Glen Ferry the other week, though. No, oh, you're still banging on about that. I Look, I know we didn't mention Connor Nash in the outs before in the game preview, but uh, a guy that has transformed into an inside mid and, and a lockdown role, I do wonder if that maybe has the door open for another debutant. Do you reckon Ned Long is a look-in? Ooh, yes. Now, that's a very good point. I wouldn't mind seeing that. That could be fun. Ned Long would definitely do well in a physical role against Essendon. Um, I can see that working really well because they, they're not really into that at the moment. So I'd love to see that. Well, that's going to be this week's prediction from the Hawk Talk podcast that we leave you with. Another short, sharp edition. It's good to be back and we will indeed return next week for a recap, as always, of all the action from the weekend. And I'll hopefully see you and you, Tiz, at the footy. I'll probably wave to you from a distance, to be honest, Nick. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we are a happy team at Hawthorne.